0: Welcome back, Sekou Smith, here at headquarters in Atlanta, my main man, John Schumann in New Jersey. We are here to preview the Northwest Division, rocking along here on our division-by-division preview of the entire NBA. We've already done the Pacific and the Atlantic. Today, we focus on the Northwest for the 2018-19 season, which is less than a month away. Training camp's beginning this weekend, cranking up all over the league. So let's continue, but first and foremost, let's get to the news going on in the Northwest Division, John. A reported trade request for Jimmy Butler. He wants out of Minnesota and apparently wants to go to either the Los Angeles Clippers, the Brooklyn Nets, or the New York Knicks. Judging by previous trade requests from all-star players, superstar players around the league and the fact that they never go where they've asked to be traded, what are the chances Jimmy Butler lands in one of those three spots? It's
1: a good question. There's no reason for the Knicks to trade for him right now. I guess the one reason would be to have him in-house and have that home team advantage in free agency next year. But other than that, like he's not going to make a difference in their season. I don't think with Porzingis out for at least the first couple months and sort of minimal talent otherwise, I think it's not a feasible or not a... I think the Knicks should sit tight, basically. Mm. The other teams make a little bit more sense. The other question is what Minnesota would want back if they're going to trade him. Are they looking for a combination of... Young players and picks, or are they looking for more like a package what San Antonio got for Kawhi Leonard? I would think that— I think in Thibodeau's situation, I think you would guess that he would want more of a veteran package, a win-now package. Yes, yes. But think about it. It's kind of crazy. In the last 15, 16 months, Kyrie Irving asked for a trade from a team— they went to the finals. Into the finals three years in a row. Yeah. Kawhi Leonard asked to be traded from basically the most stable franchise in the league and the most successful franchise in the league over the previous twenty years. Mm-hmm. And now Jimmy Butler is asking to be traded from a team that has two of the number one picks of the last few years and a ton of talent, like young core that could only get better in the next few years. It's kind of crazy, and I, I think it's kind of disappointing. You know, you had this franchise that had missed the playoffs for thirteen straight years and they have these two young pick, Towns and Wiggins, are 22 and 23 years old, respectively. This team could be really, really good with these three guys together. Um, In fact, if you look at their winning percentage from last season when Butler played, it was enough to be the three seed in the West. I mean, that's that's really, really good. And to sort of have it kind of fall apart kind of stinks if you're having additional contenders in this league or a new sort of a fresh contender in the Western Conference.
0: They were barely a playoff team last year. I mean, I understand that there was a lot of promise surrounding that team, but I saw him in the first round of playoffs. I didn't think they looked like a team that had great chemistry. They didn't look like a group that was. Oh know, yeah, tied I mean together. that's part of
1: it. Like, and I'm not saying I disagree with him wanting out. You know, if there's issues there and he doesn't like the environment, I get it. It's just disappointing that they couldn't make the most of what they have. Sure. You know? What do you think
0: his departure does to? The Timberwolves prospects for this season in terms of they lose him and whatever they get in return, they're not a playoff team, or do you think they could ride Towns, Wiggins, and whatever else they have and whatever else they might get in return and stay in the playoff mix?
1: I think they could if all things go right, if they get a, a good solid package that a solid, like we said, win now package in return, and if Towns and Wiggins take a step forward, especially on the defensive end of floor. Like I said, they're twenty two and twenty three, you know, why can't they get continue to get better? Right.
0: Interesting. We're going to find out uh, in the next few days. Tom Thibodeau reportedly has no interest in trading Jimmy Butler, which I agree with that stance from the team and from the guy running the show. You know, you don't buckle to that demand unless you absolutely have to. There would have to be a point of no return you get to a Jimmy Butler before I would do that.
1: Isn't it that now? like? How do you deal with you know two of your best players not getting along or, or disliking each other basically, or maybe all three of the, your best players disliking each other? How is that going to work out in training camp and going into the season? Like it's not.
0: I would imagine it's not going to work very well. That's why you you know if you're Jimmy Butler, you feel like you maybe have some leverage, and I'm sure the social media back and forth since the request was reported hasn't helped. But, you know, looking at the division, I didn't have the Timberwolves with Jimmy Butler trying to win the division. So it's not like this changes my perspectives for them this season. I still think they're a team that's kind of on the the borderline of even trying to make the playoffs in the West. So whether they had a, a happy Jimmy Butler and a happy locker room or not, they weren't the team I would be picked to come out of this division. The team that I do think has a chance, and that was the third seed in the Western Conference last year, was Portland. And of course... They did all that work to get that third seed and then got smoked in the first round by the Pelicans. I mean, it was, I don't even know if it was competitive, you know, watching that series and seeing the way the Pelicans took them to pieces. Drew Holiday just had his way with them. Um, Anthony Davis, pretty much the same. The Portland Trailblazers don't have the kind of flexibility shoe that allows them to do a whole lot, you know, in terms of changing their roster or changing their dna even what what can you do if you're portland and you're locked in with some of those salaries they have in terms of making this team better
1: i mean i think the one chant, the potential for improvement comes from uh a zach collins mm-hmm. um seven footer going into his second season you know you saw potential for him to be a, a floor spacer a guy who can make an impact on offense other than that i mean i like i like the addition of seth curry if he's healthy You know, I think their bench did take a hit with the departures of Davis, Napier, and even Connaughton Mm. to a a lesser extent. But Curry's a great shooter. I mean, Curry is a terrific shooter. He shot 41% on catch-and-shoot threes two seasons ago. Didn't play at all last year. Mm -hmm. So it's a new look. It's a different look. I don't know if the ceiling is any higher than it was last year. I think the size in the backcourt remains an issue. I mean, those, as talented as those two guys are, Lillard and McCollum, plus Curry, they're really small. Like, if if you assume that with those three guys, that you're going to have two of them on the floor almost all the time, that's a backcourt of six three and six three, or six two and six three, you know, depending on the combination. So, size is an issue in the backcourt. Mo Harkless and, and Al Farouk Minu are kind of uh, uninspiring in the on the wing or at the forward positions. Same with Evan Turner. Like I said, Collins is the one guy I'd keep an eye on early on and see if he's taken a step forward and earns some minutes and, and gives them a little bit of versatility on the front line. But it's more of the same, and, and I think this is a team along with Washington in the Eastern Conference, where you have a really talented backcourt, and you just wonder how long it's going to last. Right.
0: They did draft some guys who uh, would give them more size in the backcourt. in Anthony Simons and Gary Trent Jr., I'm just not sure either one of them is going to be ready to play
1: right away. Anything you get from one of those two guys is probably gravy this year. But we've seen Portland develop guys pretty well, McCollum being the prime example of a guy that, you know, had a sort of a back seat early in his career and then turned into a starter and a terrific shooter, especially. I wouldn't expect anything much from those guys in their first two years, but I believe in Portland's player development right. um, as far as those guys later on. Crazy
0: as it sounds, to, could they go from the number three seed in the West to now making the playoffs this year, you know, based Absolutely. on how different the landscape is in the West? Yes.
1: Wow. <laughs> the answer is yes. I won't count them out. I mean, this is a terrific division we're talking about yeah. from top to bottom. And obviously the West has... 10 or 11 teams all that have realistic expectations of making the playoffs. And so a couple of those teams are going to be out and it could be Portland could certainly be one of the two or three.
0: One of those other teams you mentioned or that you're talking about in terms of having designs on the playoffs and doing, making some serious noise is Oklahoma City. And they lost in the first round of the playoffs last year as well to Utah. You talk about a team that's kind of overhauled its roster, losing Carmelo Anthony, Nick Collison retires got rid of Kyrie Johnson, Ronnie Purvis, and Kyle Singler, and they've added some interesting bodies. You, to me, the most intriguing, Nerlens Noel and Dennis Schroeder. And then you factor in what they may or may not get from these rookies. Hamadou Diallo from Kentucky, super athletic, bouncy wing player. Russ Westbrook, of course, had a knee procedure and, and may or may not be available, obviously, until a little bit after the start of the season. What's your outlook in terms of... A ceiling for this Thunder team this year.
1: I'm actually like I bouncing for back and forth with this team. Right now I'm more optimistic. I think Schroeder is obviously a huge X factor and and especially with Westbrook not necessarily being available to start the season. I don't know if the two of them can play together. Mm-hmm. And I see Noel as sort of a afterthought because, you know, you have Steven Adams as the starting center and he's going to, he's going to deserve a bulk of the minutes. And I think, you know, they had some success with Jeremy Grant as sort of a small ball center last year too. So I almost see his Grant and even Patrick Patterson as backup centers. I mean, you give Noel a shot, but I think even if he's not available or not any better than he has been in the past, you still have two other guys that can play center for you. I was looking at the numbers. Here's some numbers for you with Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony on the floor together last season. The Thunder were a plus five points per 100 possessions. Mm. With Westbrook and Paul George on the floor and Carmelo off the floor, we're only talking about 350 minutes. It's not a ton. But they were a plus 15 points per 100 possessions. In the playoffs, Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony together, minus 47 <laughs> in 157 minutes. Westbrook and Paul George with no Melo plus 25 in 52 minutes. So I'm optimistic about... (laughs) You're optimistic about Carmelo (laughs) Um, being out of town, is basically what you're saying. Seeing seeing what they can do without him. You know, I I do wonder, though, if they can play, you know, I see their five best players maybe being, you know, Westbrook and Paul George and Steven Adams, obviously. Mm -hmm. But then Robertson for the defensive impact that he makes and Grant just for his versatility. But then I don't know if you can play... Robertson, Grant, and Adams together, together with you know, that's, that that's just not, might enough, not be enough That's shooting. not shooting. Yeah. So I'm curious to see how the rotation you know plays out, but I'm I am somewhat optimistic that this can be still still be a really good team. A lot
0: of people were talking about because Paul George decided to stay in Oklahoma City and not take his free agent talents elsewhere, that they felt like this was a legitimate contender in the West. They don't strike me looking at that roster as a contender. If I'm the Warriors of the Rockets, I'm not concerned about the Thunder being a team that's on, breathing down my neck for the top spot in the West.
1: No, but I mean, because the Warriors are just head and shoulders above everybody else. And yeah. the Rockets are really, really good. And I think Utah will get to them soon. After those three, I think, you know, Oklahoma City, Denver, Portland, any of those teams can be, you know, in the 4-5 mix, right. assuming health, obviously.
0: Last thing about the Thunder. I don't know if this is a fair question and assessment or not, but how much pressure is on Billy Donovan to not this is stars, but the rest of those guys to show marked improvement and, and they look like a better supporting cast than they have maybe in the past two years.
1: You know, there's a couple of guys. I think Patterson needs to have a rebound season. So I think if he can come back, I think that's a good sign. And if Grant takes another step forward, you know, they just gave him, you know, $27 million. But I, I don't know if I think he's done a decent job there so far and maybe finding a spot for Shooter and, and f- making Shooter useful. Because um, Shooter was awful last year. I'll just say it in Atlanta. He was terrible. And so if he could make him useful Mm -hmm. and productive and a guy who makes a positive impact on the team's numbers on either end of the floor, then I think that's a feather in Billy Donovan's cap. Gotcha.
0: You mentioned already the team that I'm most intrigued by in the Northwest Division. And they didn't do a whole lot in terms of additions in the offseason, but it's the Utah Jazz. And they've got a guy in Donovan Mitchell who, if what we saw last year into the playoffs was any sign, shoe, this guy is not just going to be electric. I mean, he's got a chance to be a superstar. What does that next step look like for Donovan Mitchell in his second season in the league?
1: I think a big thing will be shooting off the dribble. He shot 29% on pull-up threes last season. He was basically, along with Westbrook, one of the worst uh, high-volume pull up three point shooters in the league. Mm-hmm. But if that's something he refines, I mean, he's got a solid form, I think, you know, and, and if that's something he refines, he becomes that much more dangerous because, I mean, if you're worried about him pulling up from three and that opens up one, thanks for others, but also opens up drives for himself, you know, with a little hesitation or whatever to get to the basket. And we know he's great at getting to the basket. I had one number that's kind of crazy for him. Mm-hmm. His usage rate in the playoffs, he basically used 32% of the Jazz's possessions when he was on the floor. That was the highest uses, playoff usage rate for a rookie in the 22 years for which we have play-by-play data. So basically, he was the, the highest usage rookie in the playoffs that we've seen, basically, mm-hmm. in the last 22 years. Pretty incredible. And I think, The ceiling is really high for this team. We know just how good defensively they were once they came. Once Rudy Gobert came back from injury, they were head and shoulders above everybody else defensively. And the offense can only get better with Mitchell. I've said it before. This team was 48 and 34 last season, but they had the point. They had the point differential of a team that was 55 and 27. Mm -hmm. So that bodes well. I mean, I think. That can be more predictive of a future record than their actual record. The fact that they had such a great point differential. They're young. Joe Ingles is the oldest guy in their rotation, and he turns thirty-one next month. Right.
0: Ricky Rubio looks fantastic. Much to
1: dislike. Yeah, there's not much to dislike about this team at all. Yeah,
0: I mean they got a great coach who really seems like he's got his finger on what makes that group tick. I, I like I like them, and I'm the even scarier part for me is they drafted a the guy who I think fits perfect in Grayson Allen. They needed another. You know, in the West, you got to have multiple guys in that 6'5 to 6'8 range who can play a couple different positions and guard a couple different positions because the best teams in the West are stacked at that spot. And I thought for what they were doing at 21 in the draft, Grayson Allen was actually a good pick. My glaring question about the Jazz, though, is about somebody else that they were really excited about when they drafted him. And he hasn't had a chance to stay healthy enough long enough to really show us what kind of player he is, but he looked good in flashes in the playoffs, is Dante Exum. Do you think he's the answer for them as a backup in that guard rotation, maybe gives them a a sixth or seventh man maybe that can come in and be a factor?
1: I don't think he needs to be the answer, honestly. Um, He's a guard who can make an impact defensively. Obviously, his offense is still a question. Mm -hmm. But if you stagger the minutes of Rubio and Mitchell... I mean, you have your two point guards right there, right? Like you're, you can start Rubio and Mitchell together, Rubio at the point guard, and then you can take Rubio off the floor, and Mitchell is your point guard, and you bring in Alec Burks, even an Allen, you bring a Royce O'Neal. That's the other thing I like about this team is they have versatility. You know, they start big with Favors and Gobert, but then they play small with either Ingles or Crowder at the at the four. And I think it's the, basically the same sort of situation in the backcourt if. Exum, you know, you give Exum a shot and I like I said I think he he's a good defender, but you don't need him to be great because like I said you can play Ruby you can stagger their minutes and have Rubio and Mitchell be your two point guards basically. Right.
0: But I mean, I think it showed in the playoffs. So you're going to need another body in a rotation when you're playing a Houston or, you know, and it surfaced against Houston without Rubio. I just felt like, man, you know, I didn't know what Exum would do in that situation. He handled it pretty well, I thought.
1: Both him and, and Alec Burks, I think, are two guys that need to have a good season out. Burks, especially, he's on the last uh, year of uh, his contract. I mean, they reinvested in Exum. They Pay, they're paying him $29 million over the next three years. So obviously they believe in him. But Burks is another guy who can give them uh, a different element in the backcourt and, and be the third guard. So we'll see. I mean, he's dealt with injuries, but he's still, you know, talented.
0: Yeah. Last team to go over and kind of put a magnifying glass on it in this loaded Northwest Division is a Denver Nuggets team that I thought was going to be a playoff team last year. I really did. I thought they were going to get in. I was kind of surprised that they didn't. They've added a couple of injury guys, you know, guys who have injury issues in Isaiah Thomas, you know, who is there, to me, a really good get for a team like this that needs kind of a game changer off the bench. But now we find out he may not be available to start the season. And then they drafted Michael Porter Jr., a guy who I thought could have very easily been the number one pick in the draft if he had had a healthy, you know, freshman season in Missouri. This team... You know, they finished 46 and 36 last year. So they were clearly a, a solid team, but the fight to get in the playoffs in the West is so difficult, Shoe. Two games puts you out of the mix, potentially, in terms of the pecking order in the West. Are they good enough to make a leap, to make a four- or five-game improvement and solidify themselves as a playoff team?
1: I think so. You know, we've talked about this team before when we were going over the Western Conference as a whole. It's all about if they can take a step forward defensively. You know, there's no doubt that they're going to be a really good offensive team. It's just a matter of taking a step forward defensively. Last year, they were last in opponent three-point percentage. They allowed the highest percentage of threes to come from the corners, which is, you know, Obviously, a better shot for their opponents than than above the break threes. So they've got to figure out how to defend the three-point line better. That's step number one. Like I said, the offense is there with guys like Jokic, Barton, Harris, Jamal Murray, and Millsap. I mean, that's you have you have a ton of offense, and I'm intrigued by Porter. He has this rep of being, you know, or he has this back issue. I saw him at the rookie photo shoot last month, and he looked fine. Like he was, he wasn't doing anything athletic per se, but he was walking around, didn't look uncomfortable at all, and he was uh, he was shooting some threes with Trey Young, and was matching him shot for shot. He's got a really good shooting form, and so I'm excited about this kid a lot. Like and he's obviously got a an MBA combo forward body and believe is athletic. So I mean, I've never seen him play, really, but I'm really intrigued by this guy. And I think if healthy, maybe he's he gives them something new out there on the wing. Because I'm curious as, as to who steps in to the starting small forward spot with Chandler gone, because I think Barton is, is a good fit as a sixth man. And so I'm curious as to how they their rotation plays out.
0: They got a lot of guys, too, that can get buckets. There's no, They have no issues there. Absolutely. But they don't have a defensive stopper. They don't have a guy who they can take. And lock, you know, try and lock up another team's best offensive player. Well, who's if you're Mike Malone? How do you convince one of these young guys <laughs> that you, that you're going to make your name in this league as a defender or at least as a two-way player?
1: I guess you go to Malik Beasley and and maybe <laughs> Juancho or Hernan Gomez and say, hey, you know, you're the, the sixth and seventh guys on our in our perimeter rotation. Right. If you want to move up. Get dirty. Let's see it in training camp. You know, let's see your energy and your effort on that end of the floor, and your focus on that end of the floor, and prove it to me. Interesting.
0: Do you have, shoe, a stat for the Northwest Division that you think you can stump? You? <laughs> I don't
1: think it's it's not much of a stumper, but I'll tell I'll, I'll <laughs> give you this. So on average, last season, teams got thirty four percent of their scoring off the bench, mm-hmm. meaning reserves scored about. About a third of every team's points. Three Northwest teams ranked in the bottom five in that regard, it's in regards to the percentage of their points that came from players off the bench. Mm-hmm. Who were they? Oklahoma City. Number 29, they got 24.5% of their points from the bench, the Thunder. Portland. 26th. 26% of their points came off the bench. And,
0: and I'm just doing this based off knowing these teams and, and how dependent they are on their stars. Yeah. Um, so the,
1: the number 30 should be should be uh, fairly easy then. Mm-hmm. Their stars played led the league in minutes basically yeah. I mean, other than LeBron, I guess. Right. I'm going to guess Minnesota. Yeah. 20 um, less than 24% of their points came right. off the bench.
0: Isn't that a dangerous way to live though in in the Western Conference when like I said you get to the postseason? season? And you need other guys like I didn't think Minnesota's bench players Derek Rose looked good in, in that playoff series against Houston, but like they didn't go to their bench guys like I thought they would. They didn't use Jamal Crawford the way I thought they did. They, you know, isn't that? The, isn't that? I'm a, curious
1: going forward. Um, yeah, you know, it's a high wire right now.
0: And...
1: If uh, they depending on Luol Dang, who they just signed, yeah, is he their first wing off the bench? Like almost or, has to be, doesn't he? Is Thibodeau going to trust uh, one of their rookies, Aoki uh, or Keta Bates? Diop is one of those guys going to get a shot. Like, is he going to trust one of those guys? Because I liked Marcus Georges Hunt last year in the few minutes that I saw him, but he never got a chance. You know, he right. never really got a chance to play except when guys were hurt. Yeah, it's going to um, be interesting. So I think Luol dang is actually best fit as a four. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tolliver is a great backup big who can play the four or the five. He can play with Towns or Taj Gibson. And so I'm curious as if they do a Wiggins trade, can they just get deeper? Can they get two pieces that Thibodeau will trust to yeah. play? You know, Interesting. I, I mean, that's that's sort maybe that's how they get the most out of out of a trade.
0: Last thing on the Northwest Division, Shu, who do you think comes out on top? In the standings in the Northwest at season's
1: end. I already said before, I think Utah is the best team in this division. Utah, And I think they are potentially the second best team in the Western Conference.
0: Man, you are high Um, on the Jazz. I am. I hope you're right. For, for the sake of uh, Jeff Case and Jazz Nation, I hope you're right, because they're going to get a lot of hype going into this season. And it'll be interesting to me to see if what we saw last year was a flash or if that's something that's sustainable for from the Jazz as an organization. Are they back to being a regular player in the Western Conference? We'll be back on Monday for our Central Division Preview. In the meantime, be sure to read Sean Powell's 30 Teams in 30 Days series on NBA.com. All month long, you can catch up as we get right to the starting line for training camps a month away from the start of the regular season. And if you haven't already, subscribe to Hangtime on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for episodes all season long. We'll see you right here next time on the Hangtime Podcast.
1: Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts for a new episode every Thursday this
0: season and as always, say kuna Matata.